And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far ought to have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it? You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 74 of The Roundtable. I'm Grant Brisby. Here with Andy McCullough, Mark Carrig. Mark, what's going on today? You seem to have the ass. I want to apologize to you, Grant, because right before we went on the air, I yelled at you and said, you write too effing long. And while I stand by that position, I probably shouldn't have yelled it out loud to you like that. So I'm sorry. I do. I, I kind of I have the red ass a little bit. I can take it. I'm wordy. I'm a wordy man. Andy, how you doing? Mark is a leader of men, much like, you know, Woody Hayes and Bobby Knight were leaders of men. <laughs> he just threw an audio chair across the podcast. Yeah, he just That's he just punched nice. a, some guy on the sideline. Oh, man. Just for that, I'm going NPR voice oh, boy. for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> Mark, I believe you have something you want to say about the Oakland Athletics. Shreddy balls. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. No, man, we don't need that. No one needs that. No one needs that. Uh, what the A's are moving to Vegas? I read. Is that right? <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So Evan Evan Drellick actually had a good story we uh, posted late last night that sets up the owners' meetings that are going on right now in Arlington, and the owners are going to approve the move, despite the fact that they've all been furnished with a report that points out all of the shortcomings and issues that they're going to face in Las Vegas, namely that it's going to be a big tourist play to get people in this ballpark, and and that's a little bit tricky. It's the smallest media market in baseball. When you stop to think about that, that's a huge deal. This is a team that is not going to have the resources potentially that the Milwaukee Brewers Okay, and and when we talk about the Brewers, it's always in the context of, geez, you know, they do pretty well for a team that spends no money. So that baseball would be fine with that, I think, is indicative of what they truly think of Oakland, which I think this whole process has been that. I think, you know, I was thinking about this last night as I was reading that story from Evan, and it is, he did a really nice job with it. It's almost like this whole process has been just saying the quiet part out loud that the industry's never valued being in Oakland. They couldn't wait to get out of there. Even when things were relatively okay, it was always one foot out the door. And Andy, you know this from covering teams. Like, did the teams ever stay in Oakland? No. 
right? Like it was always San Francisco. And do the players live in Oakland? No, they lived in the suburbs or in San Francisco. So I think this has always been kind of the undercurrent within the industry and what the owners are doing here is just saying the quiet part out loud. So is it shocking? It's not. Um, I do find it interesting, though, that this vote will get a lot of attention. Man. <laughs> Produce, Brian. Producer Brian put a car one up that said, read this in Mark's book. Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm waiting for it. It's I'm hurtful. For it. That is hurtful, man. You're, you're kicking me while I'm down, bro. No, but I, I think it just tells you about what, what baseball thinks of where Oakland is right now in this process. And it turns out the biggest detriment potentially – that this move faces isn't the owner's approval, which Evan reports is pretty much assured, but it's the school teachers of the state of Nevada and their attempts to basically take the public funding away from this project, which would you know essentially kill it. So anyway, it's an interesting development. A lot of talk about this big vote, but really it's about can the school teachers of the state of Nevada kind of you know get their way and um, short circuit the public funding? Would it be pro labor if that happened? I'm just trying to figure out what I what I want to root for. See, yeah, it's complicated. Well, there there are labor unions apparently that are against the teachers' efforts wow. to do this. So So is um, it almost yeah, like it is complicated. Blindly being pro labor is not Okay. No, no, no. Pro I'm labor podcast. No. Like, <laughs> we are the only pro labor podcast. Uh, this is it. To your point about would the A's have the resources without the TV money, without all that, if they could be the Brewers? What if, because John Fisher is uh, worth billions of dollars, what if he made up the difference and, and, and spent, right? Could he do that? What is this, a capitalist society? <laughs> oh, man. It's like it, you see it with the earthquakes. Like he doesn't spend on the earthquakes. And that's a MLS team. That's It's got a big market. And now, you know, he's, he's content to just let it ride. It, and the tourists, I mean, they just – F1 is having a race in Vegas. And F1 is – they said, oops, we overestimated fan demand for one race in Vegas. They're not getting the demand they thought they are going to get. 81 games in the middle of summer in Las Vegas. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, it's it's so obviously bad. I'm past the point of thinking that this is going to change, but I do find it concerning that you're going to have a franchise that basically just gets lost in all of this. They're, I mean, how are they going to be competitive if, you know, even within this report, they're wondering, like, can they support a competitive payroll, right? And like, and just, I don't see it. Like, I just don't see it. And, and even if they had success on the field, like you should see a, a baseball team that's playing well, let's say years from now, and, you know, there's 15,000 people in the ballpark tops, you know, on, on, on a summer weekend. And, and it's because the city's kind of transient. Um, there's a lot of like options for entertainment there. Summertime in Vegas, not great, right? And like this is not, you know, the Raiders are having some success with this, but the NFL is just a totally different animal, right? You fly in for a weekend, you watch the game, you're out. I mean, I can, so the Raiders going there made a lot of sense from that standpoint. And so, and the Raiders also are like a national brand. Yeah, right? it's huge, like, huge difference. Know, huge difference. This is, you've got a regional sport, and they want to put a team in a region that really doesn't seem to care all that much or like there isn't much reason to think that they will. Yeah, it's it's really terrible, actually. So, I mean, that's just besides, you know, them leaving Oakland, which I think sucks. But I just wonder, like, what is really the future of this franchise? You know, if this is when basically what, what I took from the story that Evan wrote was that this is the best of bad options. 
Yeah, it, it struck me. I mean, I did, you know, I did a, a, a decent amount of reporting about Vegas expansion wise last year, maybe. Maybe it was two years ago. I don't even remember mm-hmm. at this point. It was last last year. year. And the sort of argument from basically the folks in Las Vegas was like, yeah, you should come here. It's Vegas, man. We rule. You know, there wasn't like a, we need baseball in Vegas or like this town is clamoring for, you know, we want to support Shea Langoliers, like whatever. It was more just like, we're Vegas. We'll take what you got. Like we can, you know, like we can, we can do this. We got the sphere. We got, you know, the World Series of Poker. Like we got it all. We're Vegas, man. It's still based on just this idea that it's like, you know, there's going to be a lot of tourism. There's, there's always going to be, I, I just, yeah, getting lost is a good way of putting it. It's you know that it's like the the Phoenix Coyotes or something, right? It's like a ghost ship of a franchise, right? Where that's a like, great that's, comp. it runs that's exactly it runs that it. risk because you're talking about a team that, after years and years of the baseball operations department being pretty well run, has like obviously you know hit a snag there, right? Because the team is atrocious. There's reason to believe that the their spending habits are not going to change too much. You're asking a town of people who are, as you said, you know, like it's not not a ton of natives living there to support it. Like, yeah, getting lost is, is a good way of putting it. The thing that troubles me the most about the owner saying, eh, it, you know, it sucks, it's not a great option, but it's better than Oakland, is the lack of vision that that has. Because Oakland could be viable. Oakland could be more than viable. I grew up with a Giants team, which I guess. Baseball's is never going to work in San Francisco. Baseball's never going to work in San Francisco. In the 70s, they had to take a loan out from the National League just to stay afloat. They were going to move to Toronto. They were one foot in Tampa. And they played in a garbage ballpark that couldn't draw. It was too cold. It's too cold for baseball. There was no vision until there was. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, you know, we're just so used to the Giants. Oh, they're an institution. They play in a great ballpark. Everyone right, comes right, to see right. them. Uh, oh, no, they only drew like 27,000 fans per game this year. What's wrong with the Giants like that's where the dialogue is now have some freaking vision the East Bay is rich it's clamoring for a team their basic AAA soccer team just it's selling out games like come on man it's super frustrating like on multiple levels I mean you know we're not talking about the Phoenix Coyotes here and and I like that comp because it's just like yeah they're just sort of this like nothing franchise that's poorly run and it's had its issues or whatever. Is there still a Phoenix Coyotes? It's Arizona, Arizona Coyotes, right? but they play in like a college arena. Yeah. It, like 4,000 yeah. people like capacity. Yeah. Sorry, go on. And, and so, but that's what the A's run the risk of becoming. And it is just such a shame. This is a charter American League franchise with an extremely rich history that by the way, they have spent more years in Oakland than they have in Philadelphia. I mean, this is where the franchise belongs. It, it is so obvious. So you know, I get, you know, the economic arguments, you know, even if there was some miracle here, you're still talking years until there's an actual ballpark built there. And that's if you started today, right? So, I mean, it, it's a really unfortunate situation that all these years have passed and this issue's only gotten worse. But I just come back to the fact that like it doesn't seem like they belong in Las Vegas. It just doesn't. And and they know it. The owners know it. They've studied the issue and that's what came back. It's I don't know. Phoenix kind of can't. I'm never going to get that out of my mind because it's so spot on. They're just enough. They they go from this historic team which, you know, 
by the way, sneaky big fan base outside of Oakland. Okay, there's a lot of people that like love baseball that like love the A's. Like you know, and and I, I think to abandon that is just like crazy to me. If you were theoretically like marketing a book about the A's, right? It wouldn't just be for the Bay Area audience, right? Like you could maybe do like a book tour across the country. Tony Schiavone got a pop off the A's this week. Really? Did you see no, this? I missed that. Yeah. yeah. At AEW thing, he gets up on the stage and he starts talking about his favorite baseball team of all time and starts naming off those like early 70s Oakland days. And he's just like, they belong in Oakland and something like F you Las Vegas. You know, and look, I'm biased. Okay, my brother, right, who is just like devastated by all of this, is just basically flooding my phone with these examples of like, look, they're everywhere. No one talks about it, but they are. He was just in Australia and New Zealand on a, on a trip. And he was like, every time he saw an A's hat somewhere, he said it. You know, every time there's someone like you wouldn't think would care about this, showing that they do care about this, he sends it. And and I think it is interesting that way. I think that what I think that's a reflection of is this idea of tradition and history in this sport. There's so much of it with this franchise. And jettisoning, you know, them off to Las Vegas and then maybe changing the name and colors even, right? Like, oh my God, they become the Phoenix, Arizona, whatever's. Right. In hockey, it's just like, you know, 5000 people who barely care. Right. And, 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 and for what? Because it's slightly less economically bad. <laughs> it's not even you can't even say, oh, this is a good move. It's just slightly less bad. It's the reverse of what the Padres have done when they looked around and they saw the Chargers were out and they're up in L.A. and they had the market to themselves. It's a little bit different in Oakland because you got San Francisco on the other side. But Oakland, they've lost the Warriors to San Francisco. They've lost the Raiders to Vegas. There is an opportunity to look around and go, we can define East Bay fandom. And East Bay fans are nutty. They're just, they're a little, they're a little bit off. And you saw that at the A's games where they were uh, 5,000, 10,000, but it sounded like 30,000. You have the opportunity to be the East Bay. There's no vision. It's just, well, they own Vegas. They give us a stadium. Wow, it's going to work out for me. You know, John Fisher, it's going to work out for me <laughs> and Dave Caval. And that's, that's the vision. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a huge bummer. It actually makes me sad to talk about it, you know, because as much as I want to be like, oh, I don't give a damn. Ugh, this is just work. That's a lie. It's a lie. I talk to Ace fans all the time and they're just sad. They're just sad, you know, and angry, angry and sad. And you just, hey, oh, you're you're a baseball fan. What's your team? <sighs> Ace. You know what I mean? It's just they're, it, it sucks. It sucks. I thought about that recently, Grant. Like all of us are here doing this right now and by the way how cool is it and ridiculous by the way we're literally on the clock to do this to sit here and talk about baseball it's like remarkable actually i think about it now and again it's just like holy crap like how did that happen right so like yeah it's work and sometimes there are difficult things at work and all that just like any other job but it's not like any other job this is pretty freaking great okay the only reason i'm sitting here is because of that baseball team that's it and it pains me right there hey what's your team I don't have an answer anymore. And like, that's really odd to me. And like, I don't know, like, I, I kind of hope that I can take my kids to that crappy ass stadium just once because they should experience it even just once. All right. Like what it's like to be in there. And, and you know, for one of those games, like on the weekend or the Giants are in or whatever, and it's the Bay Bridge series and like every one of the Bay Area is just there hanging out. 
it is so much fun and it is some of the best memories of my life. And it does. It, it pains me that like, yeah, Robbie's not going to know what that is. Rosie's not going to know what that is. It, it sucks. I go the other way where my favorite is like a Tuesday night Royals game. And just you're going <laughs> there and it's, you know, you think of San Francisco as being the cold place. It gets cold in Oakland. It gets cold in the sure Coliseum. Does. And you're there and it's cold and you've got just two bad teams duking it out. But you've got a bowl of people who care and they're loud and it's fun. And once you look out, it's grass and there's white lines going this way and that way. And it's Baseball, I love that experience. You know, the bathrooms aren't crowded either. <laughs> that helps. That helps. So yeah, it's I mean, man, I'm sorry. I know that the people are just like listening to this, going, ah, this shit again. But it's like, yeah, this sucks. And 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 teams don't move very often. So when it does happen, it's sort of like jarring, right? And it shouldn't be. We're all grown-ups, like we know why it happens, and, and that's the reality of professional sports. I get all of that. Um, but but part of like being involved and, and enjoying it and watching this and kind of, you know, observing it for a living is also understanding that, yeah, there's another element to this that defies logic. All right. And this is like, it, yeah, I don't have a baseball team anymore here soon. And that is just crazy to me. The idea that a team can be that there can be a, an area with a new team and that team isn't ready to go bananas financially from the jump is wild to me because even when you had the Diamondbacks uh, as a new team, uh, you, you know, they were conniving with Scott Boris to get Travis Lee or, you know, the Rays were were taking the Giants draft pick, Matt White, and like they're trying to spend. And then you had the uh, the, the Rays when they were had the, the Bombers where they had Fred McGriff and Jose Canseco and Luis Castillo. And there's always that moment when Wayne Huizenga is going to spend for the 1997 Marlins. You have at least the promise that they're going to invest in the team and this one it's sort of just like dead on arrival like now you know they're probably just gonna be the age you know come out and see him it's here we're vegas come here <laughs> what a pitch i'm just enjoying your guys fun fond childhood memories of baseball and thinking sometimes when i talk to people like when i they're like what do you do for a living i'm like oh i write about you know sports like oh like what do you write about i was like mostly write about baseball like oh are you a big baseball fan growing up it's like no <laughs> I never. And they were That's like, what, what do you mean? And I'm like, I, yeah, I don't, I didn't watch baseball. And they're like, so why do you do it? And I'm like, are you familiar with capitalism and we need <laughs> money for goods and services? No, we're very lucky to have these jobs. It's just, it's uh, some, I, I, it's a good reminder that people dreamed of doing this growing up. And then there was me. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> hey, the off season is coming up. How about that? Actually, technically we're in the off season. Aren't we? <laughs> How about that? <laughs> dude it's the worst time of year are we just gonna move yeah, on well, after that think of, dude it sucks that... there's no baseball to watch man <laughs> there's no baseball I, every night i go to my tv and i'm like ah oh, i wish i could watch a ball game i'm just so hung up on you know there's some people who dreamed about having this job and then there was me <laughs> i love my job my job's great i really enjoy it it's just it's just not what it's so i great envisioned for myself when I was young. If I could sing like uh, Celine Dion or something, you know, and I'm releasing all these albums of, you know, well-produced pop and I'm just listening to it going, yeah, not for me, not for me. This is not guided by voices, which is what I, my passion really is. So what what really would be your passion, Andy McCullough? Well, oh, I'd like to be a professional poker player. I'm just not good enough. 
I was going to say, like, are you good? Yeah, no, it's it's just, a, it's yeah, it's just a, you know, like I, you know, in the same way that like you guys couldn't play in the NBA. Like I, you know, I'm just not, I'm not good enough not to, to do it. Are you going to play poker in the winter meetings? Uh, no, not, there's no, uh, there's no casinos in Nashville. But, but like other writers, you goof. No, you get it. No, 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 no. What is it with you in gambling? <laughs> Grant loves gambling. Well, yeah. Grant yeah. just wants in on it. He's like, I'll buy a piece. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> in the pot. What you got? Grant's one of those guys where they're measuring a first down in a football game. And Grant's like, I'll take either side. Which one do you want? Yeah. Oh, man, that sounds great. That sounds great. Um, but I mean, I, I do like gambling to some extent, but I only love gambling on baseball. All right. So we're talking about... We were talking the about, the, like, the free agencies coming up, like, the pressure index, right? Like, yeah. who, we kind of, we know who all the players Cardinals. are. We know who all the, you know, but, like, who has to do some stuff this postseason? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB Show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. No, I, I just think if there's 
Nothing more than a Mitch Hanniger, Michael Conforto one-two punch uh, for the Giants fans this year, uh, and I'm talking metaphorically speaking. Uh, there will be very, 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 very angry Giants fans. They have finished second for Bryce Harper. They are finished second for Giancarlo Stanton. They finished in the final six for Otani. Uh, they had Carlos Correa for a few minutes, and then they didn't. No, they had Arson Judge for a few minutes, and then they didn't. They had Carlos Correa for a week. It's time. It is, a, you know, it's time for them to get their Barry Bonds or Barry Zito, I guess. One of the Barrys. I mean, it's time. For, only it's one time. of those types of players is available. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it's, it, it, you know, I don't think, I think people are fairly realistic about Otani. It's really going to be up to him and everyone's going to want him. Uh, but they need to do something that resembles anything. Can I ask a question about that? I agree with you, by the way. I, I, I think. Man, the Giants on like a boring scale, one to ten, are about a two right now. Okay. Like they are boring. Maybe you just said it. This idea that Giants fans are entitled to that, where does that come from? Is that when they went and got bonds after they almost went to Tampa? A lot of it has to do with finishing. They're always in the hunt, they're always right there. And then, oh, yeah, it's uh, even with like John Lester, they were the second team for John Lester. Yeah, that's they were, right. they don't get their man. And they're just, they're always like, eh, well, we tried. And if you talk to people, they were really serious about Bryce Harper. They were in until the end. They were not just a stalking horse. They had a chance, but they finished second. They always are finishing second. And it's built these expectations and it's just cumulative. And now it's it's uh, put up or shut up because Farhan Zaidi, he's rumored to have an extension coming down. That it's just a formality that he hasn't had it yet. Maybe there is some show me to this offseason. There definitely has to be both an internal, external pressure to acquire the sort of player that you could hang a poster of outside the stadium. And people would say, oh, I know that guy. He plays for the Giants, right? Because right now they really just don't. You know, they've got Logan Webb and... Right. And, and Logan, Webb, you're only you know, seeing every fifth day. Right. And you only see him, you know, every fifth day or in Martin Scorsese movies and as, as his alter ego, Jesse Plemons. So they need that sort of player. The question is like, you know, you get into the, the you know, the famous uh, Andrew Friedman quote, right? Like if you're rational about every free agent, you will finish third on every free agent. They're a rational organization and that has benefited them to uh, to an extent, you know, during this time. They're not a, they're not exuberant uh, expenders, you know. They don't engage in irrational exuberance. That's what I'm saying when it comes to uh, spending. They were willing to do it on Correa and then, you know, as Grant famously said, he had termites in his ankle. You know, they would have <laughs> paid for Aaron Judge, but Judge pretty clearly wanted to go back to, you know, the Yankees. Um, and now, you know, so it's like, okay, who is that? player you know is is Yamamoto enough is Matt Chapman enough is Blake Snell enough you know like I don't they're in a that it's you'd never want to be at the top of the pressure index because you got to do something and everyone knows that doing something can often backfire in a way that doing nothing less often backfires yeah, it's a tricky spot. I mean, Yamamoto would move some needles. I think uh, he's he's very, very, very good at pitching. Uh, it's, it, Otani would be the dream. Of course, but it, yeah. You yeah. know, who knows? I do think that they will 
I think they'll be stupid with Otani. And I, what I mean by that is they will not be rational when it comes to Otani. They're going to uh, assume that he is going to be there for uh, as much marketing purposes as baseball purposes. It's not just a straight war to dollar ratio, but it's just, a, hey, we are the team of Otani. Um, but it's, you know, who knows who's actually going to get Otani. Yeah, I mean, Otani's just, it's it's more like, look, do you think it's, you kind of just got to get lucky if he picks you. It seems like that seems to be the the consensus in the industry of just like I hope no no maybe we don't know what he wants hopefully he'll choose us yeah maybe he just like sits around watching Fox News all day and he's like San Francisco are you kidding me <laughs> San Francisco or maybe he sits around watching Fox crumbling. News and is like they need a hero uh, they need someone to save them from the woke mind virus or whatever you know is being called <laughs> cited as the the cause he's like i will do it to, you never know gonna spit take from mark on that one. Oh my god you almost that was a legitimate oh my god i don't know how i don't have soda in my nose right now oh man that was mark you you suggested the cardinals good. are at the top of that list you know what i didn't realize this but katie's been katie blue has been writing this like they haven't had this many losses in the season since 1990 yeah. Like I mean, holy they were crap! A really bad like, ball club. oh man! But like, it also though, it just tells you the standard that those folks expect. Those fans are obviously passionate. They're rabid. You know, they're it. it it's a great baseball town, and and those folks expect a certain thing from their club, and they didn't get it this year. So, I feel like, hey, it's time. You know, and, and with them, I think it's interesting because the need is so clear. Right. Like, it's just like, get one of these freaking pitchers. All right. You better get one. Better get two. If you don't, then what the hell are you doing? What's that? Get two, get three. I mean, yeah, like you it's that's So that's why I say them, because it's not like this is what they need. Here you go. And, And by the way, there's a crap ton of pitchers out there who are pretty darn good. So like to me, it's like if you miss out on one of the upper echelon guys there and you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan, who boy, you know, like that is a tough pill to swallow. Like, And even if you go down a couple tiers and buy in bulk, that still ain't enough. Okay. You need to get one of those guys. Capital G. Okay. Like you got to get one. It's even more acute because last offseason, a year ago at this time, we could have been sitting around and we probably were right here sitting around going, you know what the Cardinals need is some starting pitching. Uh, I think the Cardinals should go out and, and spend some money on some starting pitching. And the fans were like, yeah, I, I think the my team, the Cardinals, uh, they need starting pitching. And throughout the offseason, they just didn't get that starting pitching. And everyone's like, uh, you know, if you could do it over again, maybe get some starting pitching. And then to see Jordan Montgomery become like a cult hero in Texas winning a World Series Boy, that the whole thing just played out to make Cardinals fans very bitter about the state of their organization. And they should be. They should. should it was be. so mm-hmm. freaking obvious. Jordan Montgomery was good for them, right? Like Jordan Montgomery did everything he was expected to do. You know, the problem was like, you know, Jack Flaherty was not particularly good. Uh, you know, Miles Michael S was not particularly good. You know, Adam Wainwright like had legitimately one of the worst seasons from a starting pitcher has had in the last 25 years when given that amount of innings. And so like, yeah, that's that, you know, and Flaherty's gone. Wainwright is retired. They need to both shoot for the top of the market and buy in bulk, which is not a position they've ever really felt they've ever really been in. Right. And if you look at that roster, 
if they get a couple arms, you could very easily be like, oh, wow, the Cardinals are going to probably win the division again, huh? And so it's just a matter of, you know, it's interesting when teams get put into a spot where they have to do things that they normally don't do. And the Cardinals had so much success for so long doing things their way, you know, like acquiring stars, uh, you know, often through trade and then extension rather than... And the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, just sort of raiding the Colorado Rockies of talent. You know, doing that rather than, you know, having to compete at the top of the market for free agents. Um, They developed a lot of pitchers, you know, or they got them through, you know, like sort of less expensive means. Um, And now they're in a position where like that, the pipeline is kind of stoppered up and you got to like, hey, you got to really think like, how do we convince Blake Snell? to enjoy toasted ravioli, you know, or like, (laughs) do we think like, Hey, Aaron Nola had like not a great year last year, by the way, uh, should we give him $150 million? These are the, there's a reason teams avoid these questions, right? Because you don't want to sign Carlos Rodon or whatever. You don't want to have the, the outcomes that the Yankees have had with Carlos Rodon is probably a more uh, fair way to put it. I mean, you could name probably 10 pitchers in the last 15 years with the Yankees. But anyway. Uh, but you, but that, you what know. I'm saying is like, look, you, you don't want to get into a situation where you're in year one of a deal and you're like, oh, God. Yeah. What you the know? hell has happened here? Do yeah. do that? But that's, that's the free agent market. Yeah. That's how you end up getting outside firms to do audits on you. you sign Carlos <laughs> Rodon and then stink, stink up the joint all summer long. I just, it, it's a fascinating offseason for a team like the Cardinals looking for uh, both top of the market and bulk because it's all there. And I'm almost a little sad that, that Farhan Zaidi is not going to get a chance to like sc- survey the scene and go, uh, we can fix him, Lucas Giolito, where like, you know, some, there are a lot of pitchers like that. I don't think the Cardinals can mess around with those pitchers, though. It's got to be, you got to have a quantity of quality and you have to have someone at the top to anchor that. And you have to have, you, you, you can't just mess around with a Lucas Giolito and, oh, whoops, he's, he's really bad now. You know, you've got to get, get some, some cost certainty. Even if you're the Giants, I don't know if you want to be in the knob fiddling business. At this point, they fiddle knobs really well when okay, it comes to starting pitching. Sometimes, but also sometimes not. They do it better than Monet. Gossman, Rodon the first time. Sure. Alex Wood the first time. Disclafani. Right. But they're on the second time with Alex Wood. They didn't have great results with Manaya or Stripling last year. And Manaya was fine. Stripling, not so much. What I'm saying is, you don't have to fiddle the knobs when you're like, you can just spend for the best players. Right. <laughs> That's true. Buy. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Because the thing about fiddling the knobs, while it's fun and like there are certainly teams that have done it well and whatever, it's also still really hard. Like it's so, I mean, and you know, we're, talk, we're trying to talk about if you think the outcomes for free agent pitching, right, are, are all over the place, go look at for real at the fiddling the knobs part. Because we talk about all the successes because it's easy to see those. But like there's a lot of knob fiddling that doesn't get reported. Because they turn out like shit. That's why. Because it's hard. All right. These are human beings. And you're asking them to do one of the hardest things for human beings to do, which is change. And, and, and so to bring it back, like that's what the Cardinals face right now. I think, Andy, your point about they're having to do something they don't normally do. You guys, that is not easy. All right. Like even if the need is obvious or whatever, when when you operate a certain way for so long, you get ingrained in those patterns. And even if you start to see that, hey, we might have to make an adjustment easier said than done. Right. Like, are they going to write a big giant check for Aaron Nola and hope he likes humidity? <laughs> like, I mean, are they like, I mean, I get like logically you're like, yeah, you should do that. But like you compare it to what they've historically done. 
you know, I don't know. And, and, and like, what was the last, like, uh, I'm trying to think, what, am I missing one? The last free agent uh, that they went out for that no one saw them going out to do it, it you know, got complicated, you know, and Contreras. So, I, I mean, I, anyway, like, I think that is an underrated part of all of this. Like, yes, they've got to change the way they do things. Yes, they've said that publicly. They've talked about changing their pitching program. They've talked about how they're going to target guys is going to change. But, dude, actually doing the change is where it gets tough. So I think that's you've got that along with this pressure because their fans do demand a certain product, which is awesome, by the way. Like, that's great. Like, being a Cardinal fan for all those years and, like, you haven't had a year this bad since 1990, you're living pretty well. There's some championships spread in there. There's pennants spread in there. But, yeah, I think for those reasons, the pressure on them is is unique. Yeah, right? Like, And it is. It's like a very clear need that that clarifies everything. If you sorted all the free agents uh, by their Fangraphs war, would you say that three of the top 15 free agents would, would make them uh, a competitor for the NL Central? Well, who are those? Uh, let's see. Jordan Montgomery, Michael Walker, and Jack Flaherty. What do you think? That, you think that would stop? Move the needle? Stop. Is that what, is that what you've uh, you figured out in your in, in your scrolling? That is sorted by last year's war, and it's those are those. It, it, it's it's thinner than I thought, I guess, because I can you repeat those again? Uh, Jordan Montgomery, Michael Walker, and Jack Flaherty, all in the top fifteen of war, baby. Let's go, let's go, birds. <laughs> but I, it's it's a little bit thinner than I thought. Dude, that's some top flight googling to pull that out of your high well, Fangraphs like makes fifteen seconds like that. That's pretty great. Fangraphs makes it. If you added Montgomery, if you brought back Montgomery as like your number three or number four starter, and you also played at the top of the market for one of those guys, maybe a sunny. Yeah, I mean, maybe a sunny gray. You know, okay, maybe he's like a number three that's but that's fine and then you you know add it in bulk yeah you you could see them as a contender but what they need they need some sort of you know certainty within their rotation so that's that makes you know i like i don't i don't know i just look at all of these pitchers all, all the top end pitchers i sort of kind of wince in a way that like i don't wince when i look at jordan montgomery because i kind of feel like okay that guy's like a number three that's fine i like that I just like the idea of bringing the band back. That is, yeah, <laughs> right. You know? Throw Lance Lynn on that Lance on top Lynn, of that geez. pile too. While you're oh my at. gosh, is, is Joe Kelly a free agent? Is his Dodgers deal Jeez. ended? Maybe he can pitch the eighth inning. Was the Trevor Rosenthal trying to make a comeback at one <laughs> point? Like just he did, yeah. Bring them all in here. And you used to wear a Cardinal uniform. What? Do it again. Yeah. Anyway, why not? Andy, you said the Dodgers. You brought up the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are interesting um, for a variety of reasons because. I think that there are people within their organization who feel like there are not needs for major changes. And I think there's good reason to believe in that. They won 100 games this year. They dominated the National League West. So you can argue, right, that the Dodgers are in a pretty comfortable spot and kind of keep doing what you're doing. It's also very difficult to spend time around that team, especially where they were near the end of the year with their pitching and not be like, this team needs to like sign some arms. Like, like they need to actually go out and get a free agent starter and actually like compete at the top of that market again. And so it is the eternal question with the Dodgers, right? Like, do you keep doing what you're doing 
knowing that it is very successful, knowing that while it has flaws, it tends to put you in this very enviable position? Or do you deviate from that slightly enough and risk some of the stability that you've sort of built to get back to the World Series, which they haven't been to in several years. And, you know, they have the openings in the rotation, right? Like Clayton Kershaw's coming off, you know, major shoulder surgery. You know, there's a decent chance that he doesn't, you know, pitch this year. Um, and even if he does, what capacity will it be in? And there's also a chance he could sign with the Texas Rangers. So you just don't know about that, right? Uh, Julio Arias, unlikely to ever appear for the Dodgers again. You know, you got Walker Bueller coming off surgery. Dustin May coming off surgery. Tony Gonsolin, I think is I think he might be out for the year, given the, the time that he had his surgery. So, like, there's obvious, you know, options. But uh, you also know there's people within the Dodgers like, no, let's, you know, let's go with Bobby Miller. Let's go with, you know, let's see what we got with Gavin Stone, like Ryan Pepio. Let's give him let's give him a runway and see what they do. And so I think it will be interesting to see how they combat this market outside of being like everyone else in the line of supplicants waiting to see if Shohei Otani will, you know, bless them with his sort of presence. Not to push back necessarily, but like I'm interested in this because, like, you know, obviously, you know, the Dodgers better than just about anybody. Haven't they earned the benefit of the doubt by now? And and I say that in the context of we're talking about pressure index and all these things like, okay, and, and, and you said even at the start of that, Andy, right? Like the people within the organization that are like, hey, you know, we're, we're doing okay. Like we, this is no, no need for a major change. I mean, at some point, like, doesn't that take some of the pressure off? Doesn't that buy some degree of, you know what, let the Dodgers figure this out? I do think, though, that there's a lot of folks within the fan base who are clamoring for them to use their financial might more aggressively. I think that as time passes, a lot of fans will, out of frustration with the current product, feel less connection to the 2020 championship. And I think that given the circumstances of that championship in a 60-game season during a pandemic, uh, there are probably some you know folks who don't value it as much. I think it counts for just as much as all the other ones because we played that stupid season, so you better count it. You know, I had to write gamers off my couch, so you better count that freaking championship. Uh, yeah, I covered the World Series. Yeah, exactly. You know, like yeah. it mattered to me. Damn it, I had to work. I cover every World Series off my couch. <laughs> Yeah, but you wrote four times as long as I did. But anyway, um, <laughs> but like I think it, you know, it goes in closer into the bucket of like the 1981 championship than the 1988 championship, and I think fans, you know, are frustrated with the performance in the postseason, and I think there's a lot of Dodger fans, you know, like I guess you could call them the casuals or whatever, but that's most people who watch sports who are sort of like, hey, they won the division again. All right, like let's see what's going on in the postseason, and then they show up in the postseason and get their you know heads kicked in by the Diamondbacks, and there's kind of a frustration with it. So, yes, I, I believe in like a vacuum. They have 100% earned the benefit of the doubt of like, look, if you guys want to run it back with – you know, Miller, Pepio, Stone, um, you know, what's the one guy's name? Michael Grove, Emmett Sheehan, and you want to, like, act like that's your rotation, okay, yeah, go for it. You know, you'll probably still win 97 games. But decisions aren't made in a vacuum, and I think they are facing more – there's going to be a lot of frustration, I think, among fans if they don't get Otani, which I think negates to understand that, like, I don't really know what the Dodgers can do. I don't know what anyone can do to sign Otani other than like hope he picks them. So yeah, but I I think that I think that the calculus there is is changing more so than it has in in recent years. Definitely, it's the most 
it's the most pressure they've faced since the championship by far. I'm interested in that. Like, I, I guess I'm curious if that had been a straight up full season championship, right? How much is the pressure lessened? Is that, I guess, a I think significant part of driver to the I don't the think pressure. it's a significant part of it, but it's not insignificant. I've, I've, I've heard it more than I expected to hear. That's why I'm asking about it because I'm, I'm really fascinated by that. Because like when I look at 2020, I don't know what to make of that, even now. I really don't. Like you said, you should count it. And like, I can see that argument. I can also see the other side of like, it was 60 games. It was weird, right? Like, so anyway. The importance of it depends on who you ask, you know, and the memories of it are, are you know, kind of interesting. And there's, there's, more, there's more bitterness attached to that championship, I think, than in any other championship for obvious reasons because of the way it was experienced, because some of the fallout, you know, afterwards with the, you know, with the, the situation with Justin Turner and... Yeah, I mean, it just ended up being less of a cleanly experience than the organization had hoped. And so in the moment, there was a ton of relief and joy and exultation and all that stuff. But as time passes, it just is more complicated. And so it's not as simple as like, hey, look, they won a couple years ago. It's more like, you know, when you mention that now internally and out of the organization, you hear kind of like, yeah, but it was 2020, which is not a thing that I expected to hear, to be honest. Uh, take it from a man who's actually written a book about the Dodgers or Dodgers adjacent book. Um, that's what you do when you have a lot of knowledge about something. <sighs> I asked. Uh, this is this about the story length thing? Grant, I take it back. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I, you know, at least I write. That's not writing. That's typing. <laughs> George King. All right, we'll, we're going to be back uh, in two weeks, so we're going to do a little uh, uh, every other week thing for a little bit, uh, and then after that, we're going to be live uh, two episodes during the winter meetings. Vegas, baby! I'm going to be gambling so much in Vegas. <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> winter hey, meetings should, in Vegas, uh, baby! We should have the Cespedes Barbecue Kids on again, and oh, yeah, uh, and fine. harangue Jake Mintz for costing us the clubhouse forever. <laughs> that, jerk off oh man it's sacred in there it's sacred in there yeah we gotta we gotta learn them up no but we'll be back in two weeks uh do you think anyone's gonna sign in the next two weeks like any of the big names they gonna pop yes okay yeah i don't know who but yeah, yeah, yeah i think like there's a log there's a lag right now because there's a lot of trades that have to happen today tuesday so that's like kind of front of mind and yeah i wouldn't be shocked if before our next episode that someone is signed for 50 million or more per a season like otani 50 million a season that, yeah right <laughs> yes all right it's been episode 74 the round table back in two weeks talk about baseball because that's what we do thanks for listening I was very wrong. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.